Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show, RTE, back under the political spotlight. Media Minister Catherine Martin tells the Dáil Committee that public trust is shattered in the national broadcaster and reform is needed. We'd expect them to take all actions to maintain and reduce um, costs. Sinn Féin presents its alternative 6.8 billion euro budget promising big spending to fix the housing crisis. Just read the budget. We're planning the biggest le level of investment ever in the history of the state in terms of housing. It's 21,000 homes. We're planning to support renters by putting a month's back, rent back into their pockets. Ireland is set to co-host the Euro 2028 soccer tournament. But are we ready to stage such a big event? Hopefully we get through. Um, so you never know, we might even win it. <laughs> is likely to have to make even more cutbacks before the government agrees to a bailout as the national broadcaster comes under the political spotlight once again. There were angry scenes at the Oireachtas Media Committee as Media Minister Catherine Martin told TDs that RTE's reform plan wouldn't be ready before Budget Day. Meanwhile, a review by forensic accountants into RTE's controversial barter account will be broadened. Well, I'm joined first tonight by Green Party TD Nasa Harrigan. Sinn Féin finance spokesperson, Pierce Doherty, Kevin Doyle, head of news at independent.ie, and former RTE correspondent, Kieran Mullooly. You're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. Kevin, I want to come to you first. Catherine Martin, um, up before committee hearing, and a long and lengthy statement. Did we get much new out of it? Um, much, anything solid in terms of pledges, promises about reform um, needed at the national broadcaster? What we got was one long holding statement. Um, basically, there was nothing new really revealed today. Catherine Martin said she couldn't do anything till we get these two reports that she's commissioned. One, which obviously, as you mentioned, is looked at the barter accounts, um, but they won't be coming probably till after Christmas. Um, we know that the budget's next week. We thought we would have sight of Kevin Backhurst's big plan in advance of the budget so that the government could make some decisions about how many millions to hand over by way of a bailout. We know that won't come until after the budget now. So effectively, what she did confirm, which has kind of been largely speculated on in the media anyway, was that they will get probably 15, 16 million in the budget next week. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't know how much more they will get. And we know that they have looked for, well, they had originally looked for about 34 and a half billion million. <laughs> it's not that bad yet. Um, but the, uh, there wasn't that many flip flops. Um, Somewhere in the region of 50 plus million is really the and total then, of what RTE is. And the license fee shortfall yeah, as the, well. The 21 which million black holes. Estimated so, to be 25 million euro by, by the end of I the year. I think every time an estimate comes in, it rises by a little bit. And we've seen that in the polls that some of the papers have carried out that I think it's, it's 
that kind of infection thing of, well, if Pearson Nessa didn't pay theirs, I'm probably all right not paying mine. So actually, the longer that goes on, the bigger that hole is going to get because more and more people will feel confident not to pay. The man who was worried about the, the TV license inspector coming to their door loses that fear when they see their neighbours are, are not paying. And also, I suppose the idea that the longer government push it down the line, they're saying, well, I won't pay now until I know you know, what this new payment model is going to look well, like. Well, if, if you follow that pattern, you're dead right, Claire, because if the government are saying they don't want to put more public money into RT until they have all these reports and we finally know the full story of what happened here, you can see why, why Joe Soap also thinks, well, why would I put my €160 euro in until I find out what kind of reform they're going to do or if it's going to be a new €100 euro charge, which was what was muted a few weeks ago. So they're in a real... The longer it goes on, yeah. the worse it is for RT. Yeah, Pierce, would you agree with that? Um, when you see, you know, some people's rationale maybe behind not paying their TV licences that because there are no firm decisions being made mm. right now and I mean decisions have been called for way before this RTE payment scandal about what we're going to do about the licence fee that you know it does give rise to people saying I'm going to hold out and paying my my licence fee. Yeah, well, look, the, the, the driver and I would imagine the main motivation why so many people have not paid their licence fee over the last number of months is because the appalling shambles that were going on within RTE, they lost the public trust and to an extent that people who always paid their licence fee, who always went to the post office and got those stamps and made sure that they had the money at the end of the year when it fell due to pay that money, or, or families who would never ever think of not paying their licence fee are now actually saying, because of what went on, I'm not paying the licence fee. And that's a serious situation, and that's one of the issues that RTE has to do in terms of building trust. But we don't have, as Kevin says, we don't have sight of any of the reports. Like, um, it was a wonder why the minister actually came to the committee. She has two reports, but she's not going to show it to the public. She has two reports. She has the expert report, uh, uh, the technical report in relation to the reform of the licence fee, uh, which was commissioned after the Commission the Man report. She has that report, but she says she needs to discuss it with Cabinet colleagues. And she has the New Era report as well in relation to the, the request from, uh, from RTE, but she's also not going to uh, discuss that with the public until she discusses discusses that in Cabinet. And do you think that's right? Look, Isn't it, that right, that she should discuss it with Cabinet colleagues first? Well, like, Commissioner the Man is how long is, you know, it's, it's, that, it's, that, that report is on their, has been on her desk for quite a while now. It's published, that, that, that's published, but was delayed in its first instance. I think when you have an implementation of that, I think all of the options should be there for the public, so the public would see what the technical group is saying. It's up to Cabinet, obviously, to decide which way they would go on to go, but I think that people actually look for full, full transparency in relation to that. The other reports that she, she doesn't have at the minute, and, and, and Kevin mentioned, is the, the, the real issues in terms in terms of what was going on within the barter account, what was the forensic accounting report of what, how the hell did this happen in RTE? Those type of reports, we're told, isn't going to come to the end of the year. And that's a, that's a serious situation. But the, she wasn't able to shed any light on a lot of the questions that were being asked today. And that I don't think that's a, a good scenario for either the government or indeed RTE. Nasa, is that good enough? I think it is a very difficult situation when it, uh, the, the timeline is increasing. I think we were all waiting to see it uh, on budget month or budget week. Um, and to not have that strategic plan in place, or at least a framework, I, I believe the De Director General was talking about a framework plan um, before the budget, it does make things very, very difficult. And, and I think it's fair to say that we didn't particularly learn um, new information today. I thought that one of the very key points, I think was um, Senator Marie Sherlock brought up, was 
that issue around public trust and the the acceptance now, the kind of general acceptance, both from the minister today and, and from the members of the committee, that the licence fee is a broken model and is, is not working. And therefore, it is very difficult to go to people. And I, and I, I know it's a 40% rate of people saying they don't really want to pay. If in public discourse and the minister and the department and everybody is kind of accepting that the model is broken, then there is a question for people, I think. And you can see it even in the judiciary who are who have people up in court saying, well, how, how can I force somebody to pay when we know it's about to change? Or it would seem that it's indicated that it's about to change. So whose fault is all this stalling the ball as such? You're saying, are you saying that Kevin Backhurst at this point should have a strategic plan in place and then on foot of that, the government, your minister, Catherine Martin, should be able to move on the decision around interim funding sooner. Well, just to be clear, it is Kevin Backhurst, it is the Director General who is responsible for delivering that framework strategic plan. It is not the Minister, it's not the Department, it's RTE themselves. And the fact that that hasn't arrived in the week before the budget, was I think, rests with him. It was it, That was actually um, spoken about at committee today. It was expected this week. OK, would we, should we have expected that, Kieran Mullooly? And what do you think is happening <coughs> internally in RTE right now? No, it's very simple, Claire. They're crunching the numbers. Uh, they're running out of money and they're in, they're in big trouble. Uh, I'm talking to people in Donnybrook and indeed talking to members of the public just at the plough the other week. Reform is what's needed, starting with wages of stars. It's very clear. Every person I met at the plough and Championship said to me, these wages have been crazy for a long time. When are they going to come down? We saw from the Tuberty situation what he was prepared to work for if that deal had gone ahead. That seems to be the bar people are talking about in RTE now. So Kevin Backhurst has a job to go back and revisit those contracts, start revisiting them, start looking at a new scale model. The second okay, issue... Just, just a quick one. Now, when you're talking about wages, are you just talking about big presenter wages? Are you talking about 10, wages top, We're talking about the, the top, board? The top that's 10 not going to save them that much it's, money. It's, it's a significant factor in the trust with the public. This is the big issue. The public have lost trust because they saw what was going on inside. And they're not, they're not just going to put up with that anymore. And the, the problem as well, for the staff as well, is equity within the organisation. You have people walking up and down the corridors in RTE who have paid the minimum wage. And that's not going to work anymore either. The staff are not going to work in this situation. Two things have to change. One, the reform of the salary scale for the top presenters to the management structure. It appears quite right. We have to see what's going to happen in terms of Kevin Backer's changing the situation inside. He promised there were changes. He promised there was going to be, going to be uh, new faces. He promised there was going to be restructuring. Hasn't happened. I'm assuming he's trying to do it. He's got to get some time to do it, obviously, in terms of existing people. But I know one thing for certain. The public will not be paying their television licence until they see the salaries of the big stars going down and they see changes in management. In OK, and then on interim funding, um, surely, I suppose, there, there's going to be other elements that they're going to have to say, look, because there's going to be terms and conditions applied to whatever the government agree in terms of interim funding, do RT not have to come back with a way of actually saving money, which could include redundancies? I, th I think it's it, it certainly is the big concern of staff in there. I know that for certain. But Catcher Martin talked today about 16 million being available in the broadcasting uh, bill coming forward for starters. I think even that RT are going to have to put it on the, on the table. What are we going to spend that on? Where is it going to go? And our service is going to be maintained and looked after. I'm a little bit biased on this. I look at the RT at the moment. I see no RT studio operating with a television camera crew in Dundalk. I see no camera crew in the Midlands. I say those services should be there. They shouldn't get a penny until those services are put in. 
This is why should the people in those regions be at a disadvantage? Yeah. So you're to saying spend it on news, but cut back on light entertainment. I think in general, news, current affairs, and sport are the areas that closely, in my mind, but my my view, that should be closely linked with the license fee. I also think we are going to look at the license fee again of the broadcast, like whatever they're going to call it. I think it's time uh, local radio and other independent broadcasters had their say. Local radio do lots of good public service broadcasting alongside independent broadcasters, and I think this is the time we've spent long enough looking at this issue. It's time we start making some decisions on it. Uh, Kevin. Um, and I noticed the way Catherine Martin said it today, none of us want to see redundancies. The staff here are innocent victims. But is it likely now um, that we could see them? Or is she in a position to say that, you know, no, no one wants to see redundancies when really we, we were expecting a strategic framework and that could include a slimming down um, within the organisation, which could affect staff numbers? Well, I thought it was quite interesting that repeatedly Catherine Martin was asked by various uh, TDs what she would like RT to do, what she would like to see in reforms, to list out some of the things Kieran has, has put forward there. And repeatedly she said that she couldn't do that. It was Kevin Backer's place to come forward a plan. She wasn't, except for that one point where she said no redundancies. And I thought that was interesting because you wouldn't wish redundancy on your worst enemy. At the same time, the Irish Times last week announced redundancies. In the Independent, we've had redundancies. Media is contracting. And it's a really tough time. So it's a strange thing to say, I think, if you're putting everything on the table, including huge things like selling Montrose, and to that for the one thing to be the minister put out, it sounded to me like a little bit of a populist thing to say, because in fairness, nobody wants to see staff lose their job. But you can't say everything's on the table and take one thing off it at the same time. Yeah, it's true, uh, Nasa, that you can't really make that promise. Well, uh, it's for RTE to make strategic decisions around um, their own organisation. But I think, you know, the minister was asked a question of what do you expect the cut, cuts to be? Or if there are cuts, what would you expect them to be? And I, and I honestly, I think that she just kind of spoke from her heart, which is that she would hate to see redundancies. And, uh, you know, she's in with, with RTE quite often now because of this issue. And I, and I think she's meeting on the corridors all the time, people who are not on particularly high wages and are working very hard and have also given a lot of time and effort to that institution in this country and doesn't want to see them um, kind of left out in the cold because of the, the I suppose, the, the actions of people above their pay grade. Um, Pierce, I want to talk then about, just to go back to the issue of the licence fee and your party leader, Mary Lou Macdonald, saying she supports the future of Media Commission recommendation that the licence fee be uh, phased out and replaced by direct exchequer funding. Um, does it turn, in essence, does it change, I guess, the relationship between the government and the national broadcaster and turn it more into a state broadcaster if you're going with direct exchequer funding? Or what's the rationale or, or, or the reasoning behind the Sinn Féin stance on that one? Well, the Future of Media Commission recommended that there would be a dual funding role, so there would be still commercial funding with RT and there would be uh, public funding with RT and the licence fee would be paid publicly. People have to remember that the Exchequer already puts about 100 million euro per annum into RT with it before you even look at bailouts and all the rest. We do that through because we pay the TV licence for people who are older in age and also there is a, a money going to TG Car and also there's other other pots of money that go to RT. So there, there's a huge amount of money that goes to RT anyway and there's no question of the independence of RT and you know some politicians may argue that they're biased one way or the other but there's there's no issue and, and that happens in other jurisdictions as well. There's a big big issue and a big question that's been asked by the future of media commission 
transmission, which is what is it, is it a sustainable model as, a, as we have an aging population and as we have less households with television sets, mm. does that actually work? And they come up with the answer and says it doesn't. So we need to look at a new funding model. The problem is, is that this funding model is supposed to be in place for next year. That's what the commission recommended. But the problem is we can't do anything like that until we actually know what RTE are going to do. RDE have to come forward with a strategic plan mm -hmm. and say where they're going forward, how they're going to reduce costs. Then they have to show us how they've got corporate governance right because it was a, a shambles in there for a, for a long time, it appears. And the third thing is they have to build up trust with the public. It's only then that you can actually look at a, a, a new model of, of funding public sector media and public service content because I agree <laughs> completely. You know, RTE aren't the one, only ones who do public ser service uh, content. It's happening across media, across the, the, the state, and they all need, also need to yeah, be supported. I just want to talk about political appetite around exchequer, direct exchequer funding for RTE. Right now, it's com it, it, the government will be happy enough to kick that can down the road, won't they? They will, of course, but there is going to be a bailout. I think that was pretty obvious from what the minister said today. It's a matter of how much that bailout is going to be. And that's quite interesting going into a budget week where you're supposed to outline how much you're going to spend next year. So there is this kind of big question mark just put beside RT and the millions will be found wherever they are. I mean, there has always been this attitude within Fine Gael and, and maybe less so in Fianna Fáil that if it moves to an exchequer thing, Pierce and others, not them of course, will use that as leverage over RTE in terms of their editorial lines and how they look at political coverage and all the rest of it. I don't know if that's true. I think viewers can see through that to a large extent. I think that politics has moved a lot and, and RTE isn't a singular medium anymore, to be honest. There was a time in this country where everybody relied on RTE. But now there is so much free media. There's, you're doing public service broadcasting right here tonight, Claire, and there's no one in government worried about your salary. Um, so, Certainly you know, not. There, there is lots of things happening in media that go well beyond RTE. And I think the government would do well to think about that as well. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, on that, that Catherine Martin said everything is on the table in, mm. in terms of future funding, Kieran, that even though it was initially rejected, this idea of exchequer funding rather than a licence fee or something paid in by revenue, she's like, the time of crisis has sort of changed her outlook on all of that. How do you think the public would be on that? Or, or what, what, what do you think people will be happy at right now? And I'm saying it in the context of yesterday, we just had this uh, survey out that shows in terms of a customer experience, RTE ranking bottom of a trusted brand. Yeah, that was a disastrous uh, survey yesterday. I think as for the first time, I think a lot of people in RTE will be saying, you know, the road to recovery is, is even getting even tougher. Every week we delay. Every week they delay. The brand is going down. There's a difficulty there. And I think what, what the public are concerned about as well, you know, and there is a serious point here, if, if we're going to see cutbacks, we're going to see stuff happen, will it affect core programmes? Will we see programmes like quality programmes like RTE Investigates being hit. These programmes cost thousands and thousands of people. They take months to create them. Undercover work, it's an expensive business. But where, where are they going to make the cutbacks? So, you know, it's all very well saying, you know, the, we're, we're going to look at this model of direct funding. We've been looking at the licence fee solution for years and years. And I was there with this one on year after year after year. It was kicked to touch by successive political parties year after year. Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, they all kicked it to touch. It never happened. Went down the road. Do we need to pay more, Kieran. Is that what you're I, saying? I, I think for starters, we need to... Ref reform the organisation. We need to change the way the licence fee is distributed. It should not go across the board. I don't, I've no time for the licence fee going to Late Late Show anymore. I think light entertainment shouldn't be funded by the, by the licence fee. I think it should be news, current affairs and sport, core and public service broadcasting. I don't think the Late Late Show represents public service broadcasting. All that, you know, many might argue with that and the idea that sort of 
culture has to kind of come into account, uh, if you want to call it the, the late, late show, that as well as, as what, what is required of a, a public service broadcaster. But it's certainly interesting and more conversations, no doubt, about that one. Um, NASA, just I want to, to bring you a story that's emerged uh, this evening in The Examiner that Catherine Martin brought four top officials to the Ryder Cup in Rome as part of a, a quote, important government business. <laughs> um, how necessary do you think was that? Well, it's news to me. Um, and uh, I don't think that's very necessary at all. But then, you know, I, I'm, I'm not somebody who necessarily would go on a plane to go to any sports event. Um, I don't think those kind of trips are necessary, but I don't know any of the details of that trip. Now, are you talking about, you know, they're not necessary from an air miles point of view uh, for a green minister to bring four officials over or more so the idea when we're talking about in the context of where we're at with uh, corporate spending and everything else that we should really within the own our own government look at where officials are going and how many of them are traveling. I think That's over many question. decades, Ireland has taken a view that they will go abroad and that we will sell ourselves as a country to the rest of the world. And for the most part, that has been very, very successful. However, as somebody who was once an academic and went to many, many conferences in my time, I am very, very wary of this idea that we go around and we network and that somehow you know, is of great benefit. I'm not sure I believe that anymore. And uh, I think it's well worth relooking at that culture in our country. It has worked for us in the past, but I'm, I'm not sure it's actually a good working method now. Bad decision by the minister? I won't go that far. Okay. So you're... you're... I don't know any details about that, that, that trip. That, that's not All fair right. for me to say. I have well, no, the department, no knowledge of it. The department did tell the Irish examiner that the visit to Italy was in the context of the important role the minister's department will play in hosting uh, the Ryder Cup in 2027. Pierce, what do you make of it? Yeah, well, look, I'm just learning about it now. I don't think the minister is going to be the central person hosting the Ryder Cup, in fairness. I think she's going to turn up and get her photographs taken if she's indeed a minister at that stage. Um, look, stories like this do not go down well at all. I, I believe that Ireland should not be insular. I believe Ireland should be out networking with the rest of the world. I think business meetings are really important. This is a sporting event. She may have a role in terms of sporting event, but five people travelling there. Is it, it not sounds... business as well? I, I, I don't mean, do we see Mary McDonald travelling to Australia? I, I don't know, have these, the detail of that. Happen. As I said, I, I support the idea of Ireland being not insular but outward. So I support the idea of ministers going and meeting businesses, trying to get business back here or win, win, win support for what we're, we're trying to do as a country. I completely support that. What's reported here is it's a sporting event with four officials. I don't know if there's anything beyond well, she's that. She's the minister for sport. I know, now. no, but and Go that's on. the point. The point is that there's four officials. It's the excess of it, and that's the question. But as I said, I don't know if there was other things taking part on the sides of that, or if there was business meetings or anything like that there. But I think it's a really, really bad look for a minister, particularly a minister uh, that is very conscious of the impact on the environment. All right. Okay. Uh, there we will leave that for now. My thanks uh, to Kieran, um, but NASA, Pierce, and Kevin are staying on with me because coming up next we debate Sinn Fein's alternative big budget. Stay with us. Sinn Féin has proposed a package of 6.8 billion euro in its alternative 2024 budget. The main opposition party said it would deliver 1.35 billion euro in cost of living measures for households and said its budget was framed without any increase in carbon tax. Nasa Harrigan, 
Pierce Doherty and Kevin Doyle are still here with me on this. And Pierce, to come to you first on all of this, because you've, it's been a busy day doing the rounds in the media and as well, you had your, your big press launch today. Um, when you think about priorities for Sinn Féin in this budget, what can you tell us is new about what, what you're offering that the, the coalition government is not? Yeah, well, there, there are three probably areas that we're prioritising. Um, one is housing. This is a housing alternative budget, so it provides the resources for an additional 7,000, over 7,000 homes above what the government targets are for next year, uh, bringing public homes up to 21,000 next year. It also supports families and workers during the cost of living crisis, so there's measures here like mortgage interest relief. 40% of households, according to the central bank, are paying 3,000 at least more in their mortgage interest compared to last year. It provides for uh, reduced electricity bills uh, for the remainder of this year and a portion of next year. And also there's a package there in terms of social protection and supporting some of those that are most vulnerable in, in society. There's also a package there in terms of renters, putting a month back into rents, renters' pockets, but also freezing uh, rents for the next three years. And then there's a, another package here, another priority here is about investing in the future. So there's two probably big areas of spend. One is in health, in terms of the additional capacity and the uh, personnel we need working in our health service. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. To end the chaos and also reducing costs for people. And then the other priority is climate change. And there's 540 million euro of additional spending in terms of climate change to deal with the uh, crisis that we're facing. Uh, do you not think there's an awareness within government and we keep hearing about, say, for example, when it comes to health? I know that... Um, Sinn Féin wants an additional 1,800 hospital beds in the next uh, three years, but they're not just beds, of course, they are staffed beds. And the government may promise all it can, but really without the, without the staff, with this current recruitment crisis, what can Sinn Féin do mm. that the government can't on that front? Well. The first thing is the government aren't actually adding capacity onto our hospitals. So we have our hospitals that are working uh, 
that, 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 that are working beyond capacity, that are working over 100% capacity all the time. So it's at a state of crisis nearly all the time. And that's putting huge pressure in terms of our, uh, of our staff. If you talk to some of the, 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 the health professionals that are abroad, they'll tell you, you know, working in that system 24-7, seven what you I'm know, saying is just... more beds means essentially more staffed yeah, beds. It, it requires it, the so staff the, that are now in Australia. Yeah, and that's the key thing. And we need to stop the, the 6,000 health professionals that we train every single year and, and graduate. We need to make sure that we're retaining as many as possible. Mm -hmm. So we need to say to them that we're not going to have you working in a crisis situation. It's going to take three years to build those right, So uh, it's more money. Beds. It's more money as well for those key frontline workers it's, it's, as well. When you talk about extra recruitment in the guards, it's more money there as well. Well, is there it... is obviously a public sector pay deal that will deal with the additional support in terms of uh, wages for personnel. But we need to tell them that there is a plan to end the chaos and crisis in terms of health. And that's about building capacity. Like, it is not acceptable, and I just make this point, it's not acceptable that we have people in my constituency, in every single constituency, that are going into accident emergency tonight. They may have, you know, in some cases, stage four cancer, and they're going to sit, not on a trolley, but on a chair for the next 24 hours because they can't even get a bed after they've been admitted. That's the reality of 2024 at a time when we have surpluses in the billions of euro but yet we have a health crisis that is getting worse and is falling at, at, at the seam okay. so we need to build that out and we have a plan through David Kulnan to actually do that over the next number of years. Okay briefly I just want to come uh, because you've mentioned there about investing in the future you're talking of course about uh, I guess climate action and addressing that because Sinn Féin in the past has been accused of being very woolly on climate policy. So is this a bit of a turnaround or finally the party seeing the light on that and that something will have to be done? Bar, of course, um, scrapping the carbon tax increase, which is something you'd like to do. Well, first of all, we're not woolly or, or, or behind in relation to climate action. We're very, very clear in relation to climate action. Look, we can have targets in terms of uh, carbon taxes, and it is a success of the government. They have, they have increased carbon tax every single year, but it's not a success that we're the highest emitters per capita in Europe. It's not a success that we're one of the only six countries that's seen emissions rise in the first quarter of this year. We need proper investment to encourage people to move to alternatives. So we are doing that. 540 million euro supports in different areas through a retrofit program that helps people not just on low incomes but middle incomes to actually make the transition to support homes in terms of heat pumps to actually target homes that have solid fuels that are using coal and turf to burn so, at the minute so to actually retrofit their homes and use air to water and other types of uh, electrifying or heats to heat their homes instead of fossil fuels. Okay, so give people money rather than tax them. Um, NASA, I suppose there is an argument to be made that you know, on achieving climate action um, through perceived punitive measures such as a carbon tax increase, you won't really win people over. Well, certainly I think this is about votes, absolutely. And I think we saw a very similar approach from Rishi Sunak in the UK last week, which is we do, oh, we definitely care about your future. We definitely care about the climate, but we're going to save good, hardworking families from all of that terrible climate stuff. And we're going to pause all of that. And we're, we're, we're not going to save you from the flooding or the heat waves, but we'll save you that 20 cent on the petrol. And, and I have to say it rings really, really hollow because there's at least three, if not four, um, incentives in this plan for, for fossil fuels. And then there's very little on things like public transport. I think actually what strikes me about this budget, and, and in fairness, there are not good things in it. There are things like, you know, funding the disability capacity review, which I welcome. But mostly what strikes me is I've heard it described today as kind of reaching out to Middle Ireland. And I actually don't think that that's what this is. I think this is 
a love letter to Fianna Fáil. I think this is an invitation to Fianna Fáil and based on what's in this, I think they'll be very happy together because Fianna Fáil could have written that housing section. Fianna Fáil could have written that climate section, which is a mess. And also all the stuff around kind of temporary measures, that is straight out of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael's playbook, which is we're not seriously going to look at the welfare system. We're going to give you a bong of 400 euro here and 150 euro there, um, but we're not seriously going to look at it. Like I, I just wonder if you actually believe what you've said or if you just think that you're, you're a different party to Sinn Féin, so you have to say it, because I genuinely don't believe that you think it's a bad idea to have a 50 million nature restoration fund. I genuinely don't believe that you think... 50 million for a restoration fund is laughable. But you have nothing. You have nothing. That's you're in government and you have nothing. Just let me finish. restoration let, fund. Let me no, finish. no, you're, you're picking finish. and choosing, no, no, so and let's I'm, pick no, and I'm only starting one of them. What about, a, what about incentivising the suckler herd? You've, you've nothing that's, at the minute. That's the kind of environmental impacts that you're making. And they're talking about retrofit, but they've neglected to say that actually by removing the carbon tax, 87% of the retrofit fund comes from the carbon tax, and they're going to they're going to raid that carbon tax. But but no, they're very serious. First about of it. all, the second thing that, is that is the argument that's made about the carbon tax increase at all. You know, the money from that is going to be ring fenced. It is ring fenced. It's currently being ring fenced. And, and should, shouldn't, should there be no increase, then where is that money going to come so, from for the big retrofit okay. plans that your party would have? So first of all, we have a plan. The plan is an additional 178 million euro in retrofits next year. And we're not funding that through carbon tax because we think that the stick approach by saying to people it's costing you more to get from A to B in your car or your home heating oil, oil is going up is the wrong approach in terms of the conversation in terms of climate change. It also doesn't work. Petrol and diesel went to 220. It didn't stop people getting in their car. We need to support people and that's what this plan is. Now, Nyasa might say, well, so Nyasa, supporting Nyasa, people would be the, actually investing in public transport. So for, There's almost nothing there is, to say. It's, the, it's cut and paste from last year. It's the exact same thing for, that you said last there year. There is... Again, yes, I would want to just go with, you know, sound bites. There is proposals in terms of public transport, in terms of reduced fares let's, let's for public transport. Let's transport links. Uh, no, it that, is, that's about it, is, it. It, is, it isn't. It is reduced fares. It is increased provision in terms of public transport. It is making public transport disability no friendly. And no it is detail. also increasing the, the school transport. Like, if you want to attack Sinn Féin, please attack us on policy and not sound bites. I'm, I'm the asking idea, for the policy. The I'm asking for the detail the, about the transport. So, Give me detail. There's about five bullet before. points. I have told you four Orange. measures that we were... Yeah. And, and it says expand rail. That, that's, and that's the extent of it. It doesn't. Expand and rail. reduce costs in terms of public transport <laughs> and okay. increase the school transport uh, facility for more students to be able to okay. avail it's instead of plopping up. Stuff, well, you might think that. But overall, there is €540 million euro extra going into climate change. Now, I don't know what the plan is for government... You might be able to give us some insights, but do you genuinely believe that an additional 133 million euro investment into re renewable energy is wrong, or in relation to uh, biodiversity, 75 million euro it's extra not put wrong. in there? It's just completely contrary because but you yet. are sin significantly incentivising fossil fuels and high emissions. No, we're not. We can, can I put it to you that you're within a, a, a party, within a government? That's doing very little in that area as well. No, I don't agree with that. We spent three hundred and thirty-seven million well, on retrofit last the, year. The, the, is, is that not going to be extended uh, next week? That's likely to be extended in the budget. The, the, yeah, the yeah, absolutely. Excise on fuels. Oh, the excise on fuels. But we're talking about retrofit right now. We spent three hundred and thirty-seven okay. million let's, let's on talk, retrofit let's, last let's year. Just, just talk about some climate measures that, if you like, are just kind of you know, floating around, and we're not going to pin down right now because we're in a cost of living crisis.
mean, your government could be accused of doing the same. Listen, I, I would like to see far more money spent on climate in every single budget we're arguing about it. But the priorities in here are, are completely confused. Well, let me just say this, because that's nonsense. And I genuinely say that. Because well, there, let's, let's let me just say this. Let's, let's, look look at, at let's look at the priorities. 163 million euro extra going into transport. 133 going into renewable energy. 178 million euro extra. That's 50% more going into retrofits. And in terms of biodiversity, 75 million extra. And she's saying that this is this is the, a mixed up job. Okay, this so is the type can, of approach can, can that I we just, need. Can a I just real expand, approach can in I just supporting people in on terms of... my point on how confused this budget is. Let's talk about housing because you're talking about being this is the party so of housing. So you just want to leave the, or, No, no, let's talk about housing because on one hand we're saying, okay, we're going to put one month's rent into landlords' pockets, let's face it, not renters' no, pockets. No, there's a rent freeze. But then Please you're be talking accurate. About, you're be talking accurate. about mortgage interest interest relief. Now, almost every EU country that has mortgage interest relief is trying to get rid of it because it's been advised by the EU that it's a hugely inequitable tax. It doesn't work. It's massively unfair. And what you're doing is taking 440 million away from building houses for people who don't have a home and giving it to people who do have a home. First of all, Nyasa would like to ignore the fact that 20% of all households who have a mortgage had a 5,700 euro average increase in their mortgage interest rates in the last 12 months. And 40% of them have seen their prices increase by over 3,000 euros. There needs that to, mortgage you made your point. You made your point. So we point, need to Nyasa. intervene in a targeted and temporary way. No, we don't. Now, can now, I ask let, you on that, on that targeted yeah, matter? Yeah. Is it targeted or is it, it not is. just across the board? No, because it doesn't... So if you're a millionaire, do you not, can you not avail of mortgage interest rates? It, it, it's targeted in the way that it is only for domestic plan. homes, it's not for holiday homes, it's not for yeah, rental still, accommodation. So it's still, targeted in that measure. Ma if you've got a mansion and you're paying a mortgage on a mansion, you're well able to pay it, you can still avail of You will avail, avail of this, but you will also pay a higher rate of tax because you earn individually above €140,000. So there's other measures to make sure that they pay this their fair share so of the a economy. A wealth tax it's a solidarity tax in terms of uh, those incomes above €140,000. But let me just deal with mortgage interest relief. Because the Green Party were in government many years ago. There was mortgage interest relief here. The ECB interest rates... As a minority the, Party, which we the ECB it. interest rates at the time were zero and there was mortgage interest relief. The mortgage interest relief applied to all interest. There was no caps in it. We have a port, we are seeing 30% of the additional interest that you've paid, a cap of 1,500 euro, and it's temporary. And it is a time where the ECB interest rate has never been higher, ever. And it's about supporting people in the here and now. It is beautiful for a government to be able to sit up in their ivory towers and just forget about the, the suffering and the struggling that a lot of families are going through in terms of just trying to keep a roof over their head. Our ivory We're not towers, willing to do I'm that. fairly certain I live in a considerably I'm smaller house government. than you do. I'm talking about government. So I just want to reiterate the fact that we know that mortgage interest rates uh, policies create unfavourable market distortions. They do not increase home ownership. And, it and when we remove it from countries, it helps to decrease income inequality. And, and the Greens never introduced it, but Sinn Féin want to introduce that level of inequality. Are you, are you saying it's ruled out in the budget then? We're not going to see any form of I would absolutely relief. expect Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil to think mortgage interest relief is a great idea. It's not a great so idea. It's a terrible idea. Okay, okay but you're, you're with it. Again, you are in a party that is in government. Are we likely, even though you're well, I have recently been opposed. kicked out of government, so I am not in government. Okay, but, but you it's are a, a very bad you are policy. a member of a party, yeah. uh, a coalition party in government. So, with that in mind, do you expect mortgage interest relief will come in and that you would be fervently opposed to it and others within the Green Party would be? I think it would be a very, very bad idea to bring in mortgage interest relief. I think it's a very poor policy and a very bad use of taxpayers' money. And the other thing, just, just to make this point, the bank and levy, we would, we would extend, it runs out at the end of the year. Mortgage interest relief, as you've mentioned, 
would cost 440 million euro. We would extend the banking levy and it would bring in 400 million euro. Anyway. So it's not coming from taxpayers. It will actually be uh, coming from the banking levy okay. to fund, put money back into the, the same mortgage holders that they've All seen right. their interest rates right. increase Ke over the last Kevin, year. Um, we're hearing the arguments being played out here. Um, I mean, is this reflecting where those key arguments are going to be around you know, election time in the future? Where are they going to look? How does this budget reflect... Uh, I suppose, differences maybe between the parties. Yeah, well, Nessa says it's a love letter to Fianna Fáil. I think we can cross off Greens <laughs> and Sinn Féin coalition after that uh, back and forth, definitely. I think it's interesting the reaction to what um, Pierce and his colleagues have put forward today because in years past, and obviously Pierce would dispute this, the reaction from the other parties was always, oh, the Sinn Féin magic money tree and it's all uncosted and the money's coming from... We're not hearing that same No, there's not much difference, today. is there? It actually, there's an awful lot in that document that the government parties could actually take out and use themselves and present as their own policies. So that is probably a change from years past where there was a lot of absolutely not, that's crazy, that'll never work. Um, I think what was interesting was Fianna Fáil low-key enough reaction today. My inbox was cluttered by Fine Gael. I, I, I think, and I was trying to count it up outside before, it was either five or six press releases pinged almost one after the other in the space of two hours. And the word Sinn Féin, or the words Sinn Féin punishes was in most of them. So Sinn Féin is punishing families, public servants, uh, people who need to heat their homes, um, not motorists, oddly enough, Pierce, you got oh. away with them, you're okay. But the, there was a string of um, as young people, you're also punishing them, but it was the language and you're like, this is the election now. So this, this is where this is going to go. It's very much that the way Fine Gael were assessing this was no longer on the black holes in, in Pierce's calculator. Mm -hmm. It was more on the policies. And that's quite interesting. I do think, um, I do think NASA is right. I think Fianna Fáil in a negotiated situation, which is what happens, every party and coalition bring forward their, their ideas. I think Fianna Fáil could find something to work with in Pierce's document. And I probably might not have said that as strongly in years past. Okay, what would you say to that, Pierce? Well, first of all, I would say, I, I actually like seen Fine Gael's um, statements I, I, and I thought it was, geez, whiff of desperation today, the truth. I think uh, Pascal Donoghue was briefing, the line he was putting out was saying, it's a centrist budget. The junior minister was on radio saying this was going to crash the economy. You know, it was just like, it was just completely and utterly desperate and a real whiff of Trumpism in relation to this year was Trump politics because... It actually is not true what they're saying. Some of the stuff that they've been putting out is blatantly untrue. Um, like what? And for example, they're saying um, Sinn Féin would cut the retrofit budget because we're, a, we're, we're providing an additional 173 million euro. They know fine well if they read the document, it's additional money. Um, so they know that that's not true, but they put out the statement anyway. Right. We have, I, so I, there's many examples yeah, like that. Wanna, there's, there's in relation, to the, in relation to the Fianna Fáil. Just a quick one, yeah, no, before we get yeah. back to that. So there's one example that you want to reduce third level fees by a thousand euro, that that would, Fianna Gael say that will cost close to 92 million euro, but you've allocated 23.6 million euro in your budget plan for that. So well, what do you say The full to year that? cost of that is actually 70 million euro because there's a permanent reduction for some students in relation to 500 euro through SUSE. Okay. So that's the first of all, Fine Gael's figures are wrong on that. And the other thing is, it's the first year effect. This only kicks in in September of next year. So you don't get a full year effect all right. until so 2025. So it's not 23.6 that you've kind of 
Yes, it's yeah. the first year effect. It's the first year effect. So you do oh. this from September next year because that's when you, you would okay, reduce so the fees. Okay, so there's a little bit. There is a bit. No, I it's the wrong. They're literally wrong. And they've, they've done this over and over right. and over again. And Briefly. I think that they know that they're wrong. You just want to come back. Uh, you said you wanted to come back to what Kevin was saying on Fianna Fáil. Um, and I guess your relationship there and how Look, closely maybe your policies do let, align. Let, let me say this. See if Fianna Fáil, and it's the Fianna Fáil Finance Minister, if Fianna Fáil announce on Tuesday that they're going to build 21,000 social and affordable houses, we will welcome that. If they're going to say that they're going to freeze rents, we will welcome that. If they say that they will put a month's rent into a renter's pocket, we will re welcome that. If they say that they're going to introduce a third rate of tax, on incomes above 140,000, we'll welcome that. If they go after gold-plated pensions, we'll welcome right. that. Or if they tax the banks, which are making five billion euro profit, 400 million, okay. according so they, to our levy. But the reality is, policies, are they going to do that? Them. Are they going to do that? Like Nyasa would say that this is aligned to Fianna Fáil. They're not going to go anywhere near that. That's the, say, that. that's the reality of it. I mean, do you think? Do you think some of it? Because it's often said that you know you, what you see in sort of uh, Sinn Féin certainly put it forward. What you see in their budget plan, and you do see elements of it coming in on budget day. Oh, I think Sinn Féin knows what the government is going to do. I mean, we don't have budgets that are a surprise to anyone anymore. This is all signposted months in advance. People know what's going to be in the budget. So Sinn Féin are playing this game just as we're just all bystanders to this little game. We'll have to leave it there. Um, my thanks to Pierce for joining us tonight. Coming up next, Euro 2028 is on the way, but are we ready to co-host such a big tournament? Do stay with us. The Republic of Ireland will be confirmed as co-hosts of Euro 2028 next week after Turkey dropped out of the bidding process. Meaning uh, the UK and Ireland bid will now be unopposed. Well, Nasa and Kevin are still here with me. I'm also joined now by off the ball broadcaster Nathan Murphy. Nathan, you're very welcome along to the programme. How big a deal is this for Ireland and Irish soccer? Yeah, well, I think for Ireland, it's arguably the biggest sporting event we will have ever hosted. We have the Ryder Cup in 2027. We will have the Euros in 2028. There's going to be six games in Dublin. There will potentially be games in Belfast as well. And big tournaments are very special. They do bring people from all over the world together on weekends. And the question is, are we going to be there as well? Uh, will Ireland actually qualify for this tournament? And that would certainly add to it if Ireland are there. What it means for football... I think a lot of people will be very cynical as to what the long-term impact is going to be for football in Ireland. Like, this is not an investment in Irish football. It's not an investment in Irish sport. This is an event that I think the government hope will drive tourism to the country, that mm. will hopefully wash its face, will show that Ireland is a first-world country that belongs hosting these sort of events, that we can run them without any major issues. And I don't think there will be any major issues in Dublin. We have the stadium. We have the Aviva Stadium. I think if people are uh, concerned about anywhere right now, it's Caseman Park in Belfast. Yeah, so what sort of level of investment are we likely to see then? Well, that's up for debate. So it's going to cost somewhere between 60 and 90 million is what Catherine Martin is projecting. And they're hoping it'll bring in somewhere around 190 million. But again, that's not direct investment. That's in tourism. Now, I know Pascal Donoghue, it seems, had questions about that because this tournament will take place in the middle of June. So Dublin is going to be packed in the middle of June regardless. Yeah. Uh, UEFA will want the best hotels. That's part of this is you sell your soul to UEFA when you host a tournament like this. They will have the top hotels. Uh, we cover all their costs. They'll be ferried around VIP across the city. So I think there would be definite question marks as to what money will come out of this. Will it wash its face? I'd imagine it will. But 
Euro, Europa League final was held here in 2011. Maliki Clerken had the numbers that it was estimated at 100 million. It brought in about 10 million. A lot of people will fly in and out for the day, particularly with obviously the issue with hotels in Dublin, the issue with hotels around Ireland. So, yeah, it will bring investment. But whether any of that sees its way to grassroots football in Ireland, mm. I think right now is highly unlikely. There is no plan in place for that. Right. And whether it's, I suppose, likely to have a lasting uh, impact. NASA, I mean, what do you think? Do you think there's opportunity here beyond, uh, I guess, how it looks, the optics of it? We're yeah. officially hosting something, a big... Global, I, I mean, well, I, European tournament. I do think it's great for us. I, I, I'm in a, a football household, unfortunately for me, and I, there was great excitement today when when this was announced. So, I think it is a fantastic opportunity. But I, I think we've all seen Olympics and Euros where there's been a huge amount of investment by the host country and then it's kind of questionable what, what comes out of it. And then actually in some cities you can see transport projects being put off or disrupted by it. But then on the other side, you know, we have all seen those amazing pictures from Paris of rugby fans cycling to the stadium. So I think there is a way of doing this really well where we focus on things like um, park and ride and we focus on, on rail and bus and cycle that's, routes. And, and That's so funny that you said the worry is that it'll put off transport projects. Like I was immediately thinking, Kevin, I don't know what you'd say that, like, are we going to actually, you know, fast track some sort of, you know, transport projects in, in order to kind of try and be ready for events like this for this date for 2028? Like, let's get there. We have to get there, I suppose, from a climate and, you know, infrastructure perspective anyway. Like, could, well, would, th would this make us, I don't know. The, the only place we'll be using in Dublin is the Aviva Stadium. So what we actually need is a metro from the airport, but we're not <laughs> going to have that by 2028. No. I'll just absolutely. Put my, I my, doubt my it. bet on that one. So Will I, we I don't, be ready? I don't think we'll have a huge amount to actually invest. Mm. We have whatever hotels we have. We have Airbnb, Airbnbs. There may be call-outs for people to provide accommodation around matches, but I think Nathan's probably right. It's Dublin is so accessible now by air that people will fly in, they'll do their thing, and they'll probably leave again. Um, there will be investment in Belfast, yeah. and the Irish government will be on the line for some of that in Casement Park. That's where the money will be spent. I don't think huge money will be spent in... Well, shouldn't need to be spent. If you look at what we did with the American football a few weeks ago, shut off Dame Street, turn it into a party fan zone. Okay and let them walk to the stadium, Nessa. And it could happen. But Casement Park is one of those ones where sport mm. and politics really meets as well, Nathan. And yeah. that's where, where the... I it's mean, a mess. If you look at the images... Like, uh, it is in ruins. The there be. hasn't been a game at Casement Park since 2013. Uh, the initial figures were it would cost somewhere around 75 million to develop it into a 34,000-seater stadium. Now, the GEA were going to commit 15 million to that. They're estimating at the moment it might be double. The GEA are saying they're not going to commit any more. The British government have said, yeah, don't worry about it, we'll sort this. But the DUP were out quickly today saying, like, are we going to pay for a GEA ground at uh, an endless uh, yeah. amount of money? So I don't think anyone would be confident right now that by 2028, Casement Park is going to be ready to host this. It sort of sounds like protocol or something all over again with everyone waiting in and, and no decisions being made. We are unfortunately out of time, um, but thank, my thanks to the panel and everyone who's joined us on the programme tonight. That is it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also now find us on Instagram and TikTok, but from all the late team here, good night. Take care. <laughs>